This is a super fun and not fun at all story, okay? I've been here eight years now. All right, been here eight years now. And uh, working on, I think I'm working on nine. Yeah, 22, working on nine years now. All right. Wow, 18 months, it'll be a decade. Oh, wow. All right. So um, I have preached on this passage twice. Okay, I have. And I'm going to preach on it again because that's where we are. All right, we're running through Luke and that's where we are. We don't skip, we don't jump. This is where we are. And it's a fun passage because there's so much in here. It's a fun passage because there's a group of people and they're saying, hey, Jesus, tell us some things. Help us with some things. People are getting involved. I love doing student ministry and we just started um, a, a small group kind of Bible study with some collegiates at Asbury. We had 10 people last week for our first round of it. And I loved it because we didn't have to just plan. There was just, tell me this, tell me this, tell me this, tell me this. It was this, it was this anticipation. It was this hunger for help me understand. All right. And that was mind-blowingly yummy. All right. And, and, and that's what's going on in this story. People are watching and seeing and, and arriving at their first concert, their, their, their first game, their, their first opportunity. I was telling somebody today, it is rumored, all right, it's all over ESPN, that Tom Brady is retiring, all right? And, and that, that makes me sad. Not because I'm a massive or not massive fan. And some of you are like, I'm glad to get rid of him, all right? I don't understand that. And the reason I don't understand that is because how can you not want to watch the best quarterback to ever play the game play again? That's my thing. I, 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 I wish I'd have known a year ago because I would have literally said to Jamie, Jamie, Indianapolis, uh, Nashville, wherever he's going to be, I want a ticket to that game. Not because I'm a fan or not a fan, because I want to see the best play the best. No more than that. All right. No, 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 no more than that. Well, people were coming to see this master, this teacher, this, this amazing individual who was changing lives and changing city. I am not comparing Jesus to Tom Brady. That's not what just happened. <laughs> I'm trying to get you to understand something. There's a whole different goat there, all right? Whole different thing. People be like, does he really think that Jesus and Tom Brady are the same? No! No, but you, you, your desire to see, I mean, I'm, Reba, how many of you went to see Reba? You know, Reba's awesome. Reba was at Rub this, you know, the last couple of days. Nobody? That actually shocks me. You went and saw Skillet because everybody knows who Skillet is. Half this room's going, cast iron? All right. But you, you get, you, where we're trying to get here is the desire to see something. You don't go, you want, you want to. People are gathering and they have a want to. But they're not just wanting to now. We've gotten to the point in Jesus' ministry where they are asking questions, where they are trying to learn, all right? And some of them are trying to make a point. The Pharisees speak up and they're just, we, we find out they're trying to test him. They're trying to get him to fail. They want him to answer wrong. Other people are thinking, well, if he'll fend for them, maybe he'll fend for me. And that's what happens today. There's a few questions that come up. And then one guy throws his shoulders back and he asks this question like, Jesus, you need to tell my brother to do this. All right. He's like a baby sister. All right. Nugget comes down the steps all the time. Tay-Tay said, get out. It's Tay-Tay's room. You've been up there for a while. Tay-Tay's probably tired of toddler time. You know, we make him handle it for a while. And then we're like, no, you got to stay down here. There's a little, little tattling happening, all right? But it, it produces this amazing teachable moment, all right? 
And it also brings a little bit of a, of a rise out of Jesus. So let's take a look. Luke 12, for those of you who have paper Bibles, for those of you who don't, pull your phones out, scroll down, type it into Bible Gateway, whatever it is you have to do. Luke 12, if you don't have your Bible, God forgives you. Here it is on the screen. All right, sinners. Okay. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother. Didn't, didn't say ask. Didn't say would you. Someone in the crowd said, hey, Jesus, I'm going to need you to tell my brother. <laughs> to divide the inheritance with me. I'm going to come back and tell you why this is going on, because it's actually Jewish custom, Jewish right. There's some legal stuff here. Jesus replied, <laughs> man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Who made me the decision maker in this particular instance? And then he said to them, so he's looking at the guy and he says, brother, what, why are you concerning me with this? And then he looks at everybody else. He says, hey, watch out. Jesus pulls up, speaking of, while we're on the subject, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And you know right there, he's looking at the crowd, but he goes right back at the man. Y'all know he did. Be aware of all kinds of greed. All right, looks right at him. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions, stop, look at me. I am not looking at anybody in the crowd. <laughs> Listen to these words. Some of you need to learn the definition of abundance. Because you and I and Jesus would probably define that word two or three different ways. Only one of those ways is correct. Now that I'm looking back at the crowd, throughout the course of this message, teenagers, children, adults, parents, grandparents, spouses, listen to me. You need to figure out a godly definition of abundance. Because if you define it differently than God, you have a problem. If you define it differently than God, you have a problem. Because there are people in this room that I look at and I go, man, there's some abundance going on there. And they would be like, I don't have anything compared to... Uh, <clears throat> Let's be clear. If you make more than $31,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of the planet. Planet. Okay? Work through your definition of abundance while this message goes on. Okay. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Take note, the man is not rich because he had an abundant harvest. A man who was already rich, say hello to the world we live in, a man who was already rich just got 
richer. That's important. A man who was already in abundance just got more abundance. He thought to himself. He, pay attention here. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Anybody know this man? You all better be careful raising your hand this morning. Everybody say, oh, I know him, but I ain't telling you I know him because they might be in here. One, one verse. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Five times in one verse. It's all about. Now we get into the meat of the message. Okay. Then he said, because they never change. They never change. God can change them. They must allow it. God can change them. They must allow it. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and I'll store my surplus grain. We're up to nine in two verses. Quick question. Did he call his parents? Best friend, pastor, elders, board of directors. Did this man include anybody in his circle who might speak wisdom into him? Anybody in this room have that problem? Just wondering, when you need to make a big decision, do you make a couple big phone calls? Oh, I'm not like that, man. I'm just asking you if you made any phone calls. That's all I'm saying. I didn't ask if you were rich. And I'll say to myself... You, but I'm talking about me because I'm saying it to myself, have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take like easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Let me take this guy's side for a minute. I've worked really hard. This, this put me over the mark that I've set for myself, and I'm going to retire. Read it just like that, and it's not that bad, right? I mean, I've worked hard. This one put me over the top. I'll set it aside and I'll retire. There is a part of verse 19 in another version of the scripture that talks about taking life easy, that, that translates my soul can be at rest. I want you to think about that. He didn't just say take like eat life easy like we, like we think of going to the beach or taking a vacation. The literal translation is probably something closer to my internal spirit, my soul can now have some rest. That's kind of important. Eat, drink, be merry. 
Remember God's telling a story through Jesus. And this is a story, but Jesus is telling it, so it's more than a story, more than a parable, and everybody's listening to it, and he's making an example of a guy. But God said to him, you fool. That's important. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You see how he phrased that? Who is it that will get what you got you? I heard a lot of me. Let me, let me break this one down for you. Retire today, dead tomorrow. The question is not what does your soul have, it's where is it? Did anybody catch that? The question is not what does your soul have, it's where is it? And then the question is, oh, how easy does your soul rest now? What is it that you can do for your soul's rest? How hard can you work? How much can you gain? How rich can you be? How nice things can you do? Is there some level that you can reach on any of these things to bring your soul the rest? No. Your soul rests in one thing. It only rests in Jesus. It is tormented without. And Jesus makes it clear that he's not just trying to make a point. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Let's go back one more verse and walk through this quickly. Tell my brother to divide, first of all, first of all. Jesus is not about being divisive. Things in church, things in small group, things in marriages, things in friendship that divide and do not unite are not of God. And so to stand up with the audacity to say, hey God, would you be one who divides for me? In so many words, Jesus said, no. You fill in the... Now, don't get me wrong. The son was probably owed this money. The way it went down is the older brother was supposed to get the inheritance. Now, in some ways, like we think of a will, the older brother would get all of the inheritance, but the father would suggest, the father would denote how much he would want given to the rest of his kids. There was no law that said the eldest had to do it, though. 
I was actually in a situation recently where I was in an attorney's office and the best that we could do under the law was say, this is what I desire to happen with my money. But once you give possession to the individual who has the money, it's only a desire. There's no legal mandate for them not to keep it all. That's exactly what happened right here. The older brother was given the amount and he simply said, I'm going to keep it. And this guy felt put out, cheated. Hey, Jesus, I want my money. Eh, too bad. <laughs> kind of what he said. But he took the opportunity to say, I'm going to jump on this train. Y'all be too focused on money. Y'all be too focused on land. Y'all be too focused on houses and cars and clothes and shoes. Y'all be too focused on that 401k. Y'all be too focused on the stock market. And if you're focused on it at all the last couple of weeks, you ain't happy. And Jesus said, you get what you get. You focus on anything but me, the party's going to run out. I thought I, I thought I made that clear when I turned water into wine. <laughs> if your party is based on the wine, eventually there's going to be no wine. You want fine wine? Come to me. You want the party to last? Come to me. He said, you're too focused on what doesn't matter. And you've got it so messed up that you think that you have something to do with your soul. You are so focused on money, you think you can, you think you can get enough to save your soul. You think you can be good enough, loud enough, proud enough, wear good enough clothes, marry a good enough man, marry a pretty enough woman, have enough kids, everything gonna be all right, win enough trophies, Super Bowls. Jesus said, first of all, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? <laughs> this is a twofold response. Jesus is saying this both in truth and tongue in cheek. Let me tell you why. You want me to judge fair. And Steve Celine said it over and over again. We say it in men's ministry and I'll say it here. There is no word in the Bible for what? It doesn't exist. You want me to be the judge of what you believe is fair. Jesus said, who appointed me judge between you? But tongue in cheek, he needs us to understand. I'm not the judge of things of this world, but I am the judge of what matters. It's both real and playful all at the same time. Arbiter. One who chooses. Guess who does choose? Is kind of what's underneath there. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Okay? There are people in this room who have money. Guess what? That's okay. It is not a sin to have money. It is not a sin to be poor. Thank you, Jesus. But it's not a sin to have money either. It's not. So if you hear that, let me clear it up. Okay? 
More than that, when we say the word greed, we all think about money, okay? But I know some really, really greedy people that are poor. I've met people who are so greedy with the control they have over things. I mean greedy. I mean fence, fists clenched and clamped down. I know people who are greedy with their children. Just, just greedy. I mean, God did not give them to the world. He did not give them to themselves. He gave them to me. They are mine, and I will watch over them and guide them and direct them, and they... And they become snowflakes. Because they don't know how to last. And you know what it is? It's the same as helping a chicken out of an egg. Y'all heard that analogy? Okay, when I was in like first grade, second grade, third grade, they always used to bring eggs in and put them in an incubator. And all of us kids always wanted when the egg started to crack, you want to go in and help the chicken out, right? You want to help the little thing, you know? Remember this? You want to help him out of the egg. What's the problem with that? They don't develop. The struggle to come out of the egg develops the wings, develops the muscles, develops the legs in the chicken. Then you take that away when you try to help it get out. The world that we've created to guide and protect and watch over our kids in this giant bubble is not helping. We are weakening multiple generations. And it starts with the two sins I always speak of, greed and pride. And Jesus doesn't say be on guard against monetary greed. What does he say? It's important. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Greed of yourself. Greed of your time. Greed of your possessions. That's why the Good Samaritan story is so important. I've, I've preached it before, and I'm going to remind you now. There are three types of people on the road. What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. And what's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. Which one are you? Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. Jesus goes on to say it's not just money. It's all of the things. He told them a parable. A certain man yielded a crop. Everybody understood that from the beginning. They were all some sort of producers, okay, right? In the Jewish culture, you, you married and you built right next to your parents, right? And then you married and you built right next to your cousin, right next to your brother, right next to your sister. Your house connected to the next house, connected to the next house, and everything was connected. I've told you this over and over, and I'm going to tell you again. If you wanted French fries, you went to the potato guy. If you wanted bread, you went to the bread guy. If you wanted peanut butter, you went to the peanut guy. You want chips, you go to the chip guy, salsa to the salsa guy, right? Everybody understood that that's how it worked. If they needed salt, you gave. If you needed tomatoes, you gave. What you produced, you gave. What they produced, they gave. That's how it worked. So as soon as Jesus said, I had a great crop of something everybody loves, right? Um, the, the Mexican um, um, cheese dip. All right, everybody loves cheese dip, all right? I had a giant crop of cheese dip. And the guy said, you know what? I've got so much, I'm just going to keep it all. Everybody in the crowd went, ah! Supply chain crisis! Who's in charge here? 
Yes, toilet paper. Let's use that. When the toilet paper guy builds bigger barns, everything comes up a stink, let me tell you. Right? But So everybody in the crowd went, why, why, would, you, why would you store all the Charmin? Why would you do that? But the guy was like, I'll store it, I'll sell it, I'll get rich, it's all good. That's not how it works. This would have blown their minds. You ready? I'm about to say something here some of y'all aren't going to like. Deal with it, because I'm right, because I got the microphone. No, that doesn't make me right, but still. For all intents and purposes, Jesus says a swear word. <laughs> Hear me out. He says a derogatory term that people did not accept in common society. He does. He says, you, sir, are a fool. And that was a bad word. It really was. It really was. All right? Do you know why? He calls him an Afron, not an Afro, different thing. He calls him an Afron, and it's broken down into two words. A, which is the negative prefix. It means the opposite of. It means to be without. It means negative. And then fron comes from the word phroni, the inside of a human, the soul of an individual. He looks at this man and he says, you are heartless. You are soulless. You, are, you have an inability to make a human decision. You're an idiot. You're stupid. I've, I found all kinds of, 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 of definitions. All right, all kinds, from stupid to idiot to ignorant. But the depth of it is, when you think about you, you don't even have what we would say a heart, the tin man heart. Not a heart, beep, 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 a heart, you're heartless. He looks at the guy and he says, you're heartless. And because of that, I judge your heart. I judge your heart. I don't condemn you to anywhere. You chose. You said, I will build my barns, make my decision, and because of your choice, I will judge this. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Tonight, your life will be demanded of you. What are you going to do with those tomatoes now? What you going to do with that Charmin now? Who going to eat the cheese dip now? Life is not about what you get. It is about what you give. What you leave to the next generation. What you leave to the next group of people. In listening to this book I'm listening to on leadership, uh, this guy is talking about legacy and what that means and how building and building and building and building for yourself continues to make you look better until you're gone. Then what? He said, don't climb ladders, hold ladders. He said, don't get higher on your ladder, all right? Place ladders for other people. Don't be a ladder climber, be a ladder holder, be a ladder placer. Why? 
Because wouldn't you rather your story be, look how many people I got up the ladder instead of look how high I got up? It's amazing that all of these leadership books talk about all the things that Jesus lived out. People are like, what's the best leadership book I can read? The Bible. Well, what's the best life application book I can read? The Bible. Well, what's the best church Christian living book I can read? The Bible. Well, what if I can't understand the Bible? Come to my office. Let's talk. Bring coffee or food. But can I do it on my own? Absolutely you can. How can I do it on my own? With Jesus. Most of you are trying to read the Bible without the author. I'm telling you, I can introduce you to him and you can read it alongside him. You don't need John Maxwell. You don't need Francis Chan. You don't need Bruce Wilkinson. You have Hebrews and you have Jesus. You have all you need. I can teach you how. But instead of just teaching you, I'd just rather do it with you. Way more fun. As short as I am, I've made a decision a while back that I don't, I don't need a ladder. What do you mean, Craig? Not once since I took this job did I think about the next job. Not once. Not once did a phone call come through the door where I said, hmm, I wonder how big that church is. I wonder how big that paycheck is. I wonder how many people would know my name then. I'm, that is not bragging. That is not arrogant. There is nothing in there other than this. It's really fun to be where God called you to be and do what God called you to do with the people he wants you to do it with. There isn't any more. There isn't any more. For me, this is more. How many ladders can we put against buildings right here, right now? I mean, heck, we're already reaching Cynthiana, Georgetown, and Lancaster from Maine and Chestnut. Why not, why not do more here? Why not do more here? There are bigger ladders out there, but they're not my ladders. Remember the me's and the my's and the me's and the my's and the me's and the my's? You can't do this on your own. And I know people, people that I love, people that I care about, and it's all about them. What do I need? What do I want? What can I have? When God blesses you, when God really blesses you, your mindset ought to be, man, how much of this can I give away? Man, what can I do with this? I am excited about the next 10 to 14 days. We are. We've got the money. Your, your offering is in. I have called the Salvation Army. I am proud to announce that they have a, a new manager over there who has got things going, got things moving in the right direction. And I called her and I said, send me a list. And by golly, I had a Word document in 90 minutes full of things that they need. And I can't wait. I can't wait. 
to call the Save-A-Lot and say, hey, I'm going to need 500 of these, 500 of these, 500 of these, and calling two or three of you lovely soccer moms or dads who are off work that day and saying, we're going to need about four vans at the Save-A-Lot and bring your teenagers because they can do the carry-in. <laughs> I hear you, what can I do? <laughs> what, can, what, can, what, what can we give? How can we serve? I, I'll go broke. There are people in this church who will go broke loving Jesus. Loving Jesus. And that'd be all right. That'd be all right. But what I don't want is God to look at me and go, you fool. And me to go, but I, but I, but I, but I, but I. There's your problem. How about but we? How about but we? How about we empty ourselves so far that he goes, look, look at that basket that I can fill. Instead of filling ourselves with all the things we think we need. And then Jesus looking, man, I had so much to give, but there's no room. I got to remember that. That was pretty good. That was a Jesus thing, y'all. Can't take credit for that one. There are amazing, wonderful things getting ready to happen. Look around. Look around. What will you give weekly, monthly, yearly? How will you serve daily, weekly, monthly? What will God look you in the eyes and say to you? Have you stored up or have you poured out? Have you taken in or have you given away? Can you go to bed every night saying, I have exhausted myself for my friends, my family, my children, my spouse, and my Jesus? Because if you can, you will wake up different. I promise. Have a heart. Don't be a fool. Let's pray. God, here's my prayer. My prayer is that in a way that I can't even fathom, even knowing you, a way that is beyond my mind's imagination, my mind's eyes, my mind's understanding, that you would take every penny, every dollar, every can of green beans, every fragment of food, everything, God, that, that, that is poured out from your people at NBC on Main, and that you would multiply it beyond our imagination. God, I pray that it is as real as when we stock those vans with food and when people start to take it out, there's just more coming out that we don't understand where it's coming from. I pray that when an offering is put in a box, God, that when we open the box, 
There's more coming out. I pray that when we give to Western Kentucky, or better, we go to Western Kentucky, when everybody has stopped going, that as we build, there are more homes and more beds and more burgers and more hot dogs and more places to serve. God, you want to give us so much more. And I'm praying right now that you be the God of multiplication as we give what we have. In Jesus' name, amen.